0: Seven o'clock, it's the 22nd of December 2021. Uh, This is Voice of the Cantor, our seventh programme in the second series. Tonight uh, with Cantor Faith stein I'm Russell Grossman. I'm one of the executives at the European Cantors Association. Um, and just before I introduce uh, our interviewer this evening, Alex Klein, let me tell you a little bit about the European Cantors Association for those who may not have come across it. The European Cantors Association is an independent organization. We're established in the United Kingdom in 2012. We reach across the spectrum of Jewish worship to ensure that the unique music of Jewish prayer continues to enhance synagogue services for generations to come. We arrange cantors' conventions along three lines in the UK and in European cities. Our academic wing presents international conferences on the music of Jewish prayer in partnership with universities around the world. ECA also presents Zoom talks such as this, the Voice of the Cantor, and we do so uh, by tackling some of the burning issues in the cantorial world through Voice of the Cantor. Today, Our interviewer is Alex Klein. Alex needs little introduction to many of you. He's the director of the European Cantors Association. He's always been passionate about the music of the synagogue. He was born in London. He studied at Jews College, attending Reverend Brill's cantorial classes. He settled in Manchester, where he brought significant Jewish artists and cantors to the UK for concert tours. He's been a leading figure in synagogue music in the UK, lecturing widely and heading the Jewish Music Institute's synagogue music section. He's now, as I said, the director of the European Cantors Association. Alex, over to you.
1: Thank you, Russell, for the introduction and welcome, everybody, to what is going to be a wonderful, fascinating evening and something I've been looking forward to for quite a long time. Um, Welcome Faith, and it's lovely to see you. And um, I would like everybody to know about you, your life, your story, and um, history of being one of the early female cantors in the business and how you started. And it must have been um, frightening in those days. Um, But with reputation, beauty of soul, beauty of your Neshamah, beauty of your voice, wonderful teachers that helped you. You are a superstar in the world of Jewish music and the cantor, and according to your students, an absolutely fabulous teacher. So welcome. Mm -hmm. We want to take you back to your beginnings, and I believe you were born in South Florida, in the Miami area. Uh, what was your childhood like? Did you grow up, did you go to Hebrew school, et cetera? Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing, your family and your background? Was it musical, et cetera, et cetera?
2: Sure, I, my family loves music and loved music. The four of my grandparents were Yiddishists and they loved cantorial music. I'm from Philadelphia. And I grew up down in Miami. Uh, Dad moved us down there when I was about two or so. He was a urologist. So um, I guess urology and South Florida yeah. kind of go hand in hand. <laughs> Sorry. I'll try to keep it clean. Um, <laughs> and uh, So I, I grew up in a, in a family that loved being Jewish, loved the holidays we weren't i think a, a shul going family as much weekly certainly not daily but um so it gave me something to discover as i grew older how wonderful shabbat could be uh, the more fully it is embraced um the better it gets so and you get a chance to do it every week so um growing up in miami we were in beth torah congregation which um, other people have called a hotbed of chazanut um, it sounds a little dangerous when you put <laughs> it that way but um 1100 people who otherwise didn't get along would sing like crazy on sabbath and festivals and holy days and when I got into the adult services, I got to hear the real action with the Khazan and the con- the congregation, the power of the kahal, the the voice of the baltafilla, the the wonderful Kore. I never knew that that Torah reading could be like that. Um so the older I got, the more I appreciated, um Reverend, Adler, who read Torah so magnificently, um, I never got on the track that the boys did, um, in terms of learning to be a shaliach tzibur, because because yeah. So, so uh, but my bat mitzvah,
1: yeah, that's um, what was I to
2: Memorable cousin Yakov Renzer, of blessed memory, had such a sweet voice, and uh, he would make cassette tapes back in the day for those of you who remember that technology and I would take the cassette tape as everyone else would and the girls all learned a chapter of Shir Hashirim.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we, uh, he sounded he sounded so, your bat mitzvah will be beautiful and so I would listen to his introduction to my Chapter three of Shir Hashirim. Every time I listen to the tape, you know, otherwise it's and then you miss what you need. So I listened. Your bat Mitzvah will be so beautiful, and I learned from that that you could put in some positive reinforcement ahead of time, and it might just be beautiful. So he. But you respored, spent
1: your summer. You spent summer camps learning music, learning about about Mitzvah when other people were playing around and kibbutzing and doing various things that boys and girls do. So why, why did you have such, um, so intense about learning the music and what you wanted to do? What, what made you go well, that way, take that path?
2: That was the expectation of Beth Torah congregation that we, boys and girls, would be prepared um, six months beforehand. And the rest could be just working on your Devar Torah or your words of wisdom or whatever you wanted to share with the congregation. Your, um, For me, it was a, a speech about Jewish women. So for Cantor Renzer, the pressure was on for every young person who went to summer camp, not unlike today, to make sure that they kind of knew it either by the time they went to camp or had... A summer program so i didn't go to a jewish camp i attended interlock the national music camp mm-hmm. so i was involved in music talent exploration and theater and studying piano and doing all those things but there wasn't like yiddish kite or anything going on there was rest period though so i had um some i think i had a, a one an ear plug that went into the little jack your bat mitzvah will be beautiful and so that's what I heard during rest period and I learned chapter three I learned all the I learned l'chadodi I learned kiddush what else was on that tape not too much haftarah brachot were on that that recording and that was all for a Friday evening bat mitzvah because girls were never Shabbat morning girls weren't called to the Torah. The first time I read Torah was at Hebrew Union College, Jewish Institute of Religion, in front of the faculty. So, no pressure. So
1: there wasn't any of the women's mignonim or, you know, um, so did you find it like you were on the outside looking in and you wanted to get on the inside?
2: I I didn't know that I could ever get inside. Um, the The inside track that I had is that my mother, had illustrated the rabbi's book on hasidut uh-huh. the faith of a hasid so my mother and the rabbi rabbi max lipschitz of blessed memory were very very close he would come to our sukkah there would there would be much we we have, my parents had permanent seats in the fifth row fifth row so there was a relationship there and in my senior year of high school my parents got divorced but the seat was paid for so i sat next to my mother in the fifth row and heard the adult service in my senior year of high school and who was the chazan at that point chazan yaakov ben sion mendelson otherwise known as jack and
1: so we've got uh, the same friends in common
2: I. I, 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 was overwhelmed. As an opera lover, I was overwhelmed. As a Jew, I was overwhelmed. The 1,100 cantankerous people were singing like one. I was floored.
1: And well, Tell me about Jack Jackie, because he wrote something special for you, and I want to know how did that come about? Because that's very, very important for somebody like Jackie Mendelssohn you know in esteem to write for little faith stein this wonderful thing which is just for you so how did that come about i mean you must have been something special and he recognized your talent and then helped you to enrich your musical abilities etc cetera, etc cetera. so tell tell us about it
2: many years before the mendelssohn maariv um there, there was no acceptance of women into Kander's Assembly, the mostly conservative organization of Chazanim, that's a worldwide organization. Um, I always, I started attending Kander's Assembly conventions because Kander Mendelssohn would speak of nothing else. Grossinger's this and Grossinger's that and Grossinger's and hundreds of cantors and, and Sfirat Omer and this is happening there and that's happening there. And I thought, my gosh, you know, I, you know, <laughs> based on my experience in my senior year of high school, it's like God was in this place and I, I did not know. I didn't. I didn't know how powerful Jewish music could be. So I wanted to save up my money and go to convention. Years later, after Cantor's Assembly accepted women, and I had studied through Hebrew Union College, um, they asked me to lead a real service.
1: Wasn't it the Verbanda yeah. those days? Was it the before the CA? Because um, I remember those conventions in Grossinger's where you rub shoulders with Ganchos and the Kusovitskis and, and people of that and it and it and for me that was, you know, as a teenager, that was the bee's knees. I saved up so much money to go to this convention in Grossinger's, you know, not just by meeting um, Jenny Grossinger or meeting the, you know, the family, but with these wonderful cantors. I mean, was there anybody particularly besides, besides Jackie that influenced you in, and made you turn that corner to become a cantor?
2: The Ganshoffs, Kazan Moshe Ganshoff and his wife Peggy, adopted me like a, they would say like a child and I would say like a grandchild. Um, We were very close. And I was also close with Max Wahlberg, Uh who was my family's cantor from Philadelphia. And my uncle was his doctor. I digress. So, you know, there were a lot of little cantors. Very few of them were tall. They were kind of short people and sometimes rotund. And they would all be coming up into each other's faces and singing. Like, do I know you? It's like the international language of Chazonas or something was spoken there. And it just happened for five straight days into the night.
1: populous, so yeah. I remember, I remember it well. Yep.
2: Like for me, it was 1.40 in the morning at the late night. Where,
1: but I, I, remember, I remember
2: Gildar played for me.
1: Ah, I remember going to the same apartment where Moshe lived, and what he would do is, Alex, I want to sing something for you. I've just composed this. You remember how he used to go on and you know, in, in that voice, and you would listen, and you would, it would be such an experience. And later on, when he was getting older. I would phone him and he would sing down the phone to me, something he'd just composed, but he was continually doing this. and people don't realize that being somebody's company like that has a tremendous positive influence it is inside your soul. I mean, do you feel the same way?
2: the The importance of sharing with his students was, so moving. Um, Moshe Genshoff was not, it wasn't just about him. It was about the art of the chazan moving forward in time. And it was different the way he worked with Chazan Mendelssohn, the way, than the way he worked with Chazan Mizrahi, than the way he worked with Chazan Lamb, and the way he worked with me. I couldn't do the things he did. I would, I would cry. <laughs> You know, it took a long time for me to figure out how to sing in the first place because I wasn't a singer at all. I just liked cantors. I wanted to be near cantors and look what happened. I mean, this is what happens when you hang out with the cantors too long, you become one. So I couldn't imagine any finer group of people to call my colleagues. And it's been just the, an incredible life and an Actually, it show. makes a
1: very good cue to play our first piece of music, and we're going to listen to um, cousin David Klusiewiczki and somebody else, and I want you to tell us about it. How wonderful. Please tell us how this came about and the story behind it.
3: Because
2: I had rabbinical dispensation to be in the junior choir. Even in my first year of college, I had come home um, and it was the Hillel Shabbos. Beth Torah congregation had, um, along with Cantor Jacob Mendelson had invited cousin kusovitsky to be the guest Hazen. It was Shabbat Mavarim of Rosh Chodesh benching, and and I I earned the Misha Nisim solo, much coveted, um, and uh, the year before it had been uh, the Hillel Shabbos had been Moshe Gensha. But I didn't, it was also Shabbat Mavarachim HaChodesh, but I was not the Misha Sanisim kid then. The thing is, it's on YouTube and it doesn't say my name. So I'm, I'm kind of glad because a number of people have listened to it, maybe who wouldn't have listened had they known it was a female singing Misha Sanisim.
1: I don't know because the person who put it out, I know very well Akiva, and I know him extremely well, and uh, we send him stuff, and he, he's, he has a very fine collection of very rare material. So he put that out only recently, and then I put it on the ECA Facebook page, and then you told me it was you. So that's, um, that's how we got to know, which is absolutely incredible. So um, where did the next steps take you within your career, so from there, you were solo, you were in a choir, you sang with, Moshe, you know, witnessed with Moshe Ganshoff, and then Jackie Mendelssohn wrote for you and helped you and to increase your studies. Did you then go uh, as a senior to HUC or JTS or one of the colleges? How did you get into your next stage of being um, a cousin, a cantor?
2: I took a left turn and I went to Indiana and attended Indiana University. I wanted to direct opera. So I studied German and French and Italian and music theory and music history and stagecraft and sang in the opera chorus and took voice lessons. Um, But, but I got worse and worse as a singer. And even though I didn't start out to be a singer, I knew things were kind of getting worse and worse. So um, I knew at that point that Hebrew Union College was accepting women. Uh, Cantor Barbara Ostfeld uh, had graduated in 1975, which was the year I graduated high school. I spent a couple years at Indiana, and then I transferred to Hebrew Union College in New York City, two blocks from the Metropolitan Opera House. So if I skipped class once in a while to go to a rehearsal at the Met, um, I've made it up in the last three decades teaching at HUC and JTS and the Academy and everybody else. So if people cancel on me, I guess it all comes around.
1: One of your teachers must have been um, uh, a wonderful um, lad from England called Izzy Goldstein.
2: Hazan Israel Goldstein, Hazan Israel Alter Goldstein was an incredible coach, an amazing workshop teacher. And then he was the one who invited me to come onto the faculty as the first woman to teach Khazanut at HUC. So he believed in me before <laughs> I believed in me.
1: Was there was this a, a lot of resistance um, where uh, females, cantors able to get positions in at that time either the reform or the conservative movement or was was there you know hang on a minute it's not like it is today we're talking about 30 years on which things are completely different to what they were when you first started so how frustrating was it and who helped you along the way
2: um frustrating what makes you think it was frustrating?
1: Because I know the feeling. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, uh, my colleagues supported me. Um, they made me feel that what I was doing was important and vital. Uh, there was—it was easy to get employment in a reform congregation. Um, uh, that was that was, and it was a great thing too. Um, I served some of the largest congregations in the country, and it was great to have a music budget. What can I tell you? Um, great to have five different choirs, all those things. Um, it, as a conservative Khazan, I could not find my way into the right congregation for me. You know, it's mazel, it's timing, it's, it's a lot of things, it's connections. I was, the first runner-up for a number of interviews, so congregations who were persuaded to at least hear a woman on the, you know,
1: on. But how a, can you be a runner-up? You're one of the top ten Jewish women singers in the in the world. So they, so you yeah. know, and and therefore those accolades are something that you earn. You don't just get. I mean. I first heard you, 1998, Carnegie Hall at the Cantus Convention or the CA Convention. I still have, if anybody wants to see the programme, and I, went, I was staying at Sol and June Zim's and um, they were doing something in, in Central Park. It was, it was a magnificent uh, concert in the park and something they had at home. And Sol said to me, you've got to listen to this girl. She's a wow, she's going places and she's going to do Rosa de Chabas." And I said, a girl to sing Rosa de Chabas with the feeling, the understanding of the words? I've never heard it before. He said, Alex just listen and you'll see. So I listened and boy, oh boy, was he right. So I think I want to play our our listeners a version of Rosa de Shabbos with another very, very good friend of yours and mine, Joseph Ness, who is a brilliant arranger and really such a dear friend and extremely humble as a person. I've worked with him on the Night Project, you know, the the work of, of... label a glance and you know he's transposed the whole of his music etc but we're now going to listen to um rosa de shabbas with an orchestra conducted and arranged by joseph ness with you singing so please enjoy and let's sit back and listen I can say it's bravo, absolutely magnificent. I had to play it. It, it, it gets me and your interpretation is so moving and the orchestration is so right, it's just absolutely perfect. You know, Joseph is an expert and it wasn't overbearing and it was just beautiful and it married together, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's wonderful. I, mean, I want to go on to the next chapter, Matty Lazar, um, the Western Wind. I mean, that was a bit part of your life, and then again, you seem to end up going back with Matty. You know, and doing various different projects, which is wonderful because with the Zamir and what he's achieved, to him, it's it's excellent, and you being part of that is. Also wonderful. So, can you tell me about the collaborations and how you got involved, and where it's going to, and anything in the future happening?
2: Ooh, well, I I hope that the North American Jewish Choral Festival continues every summer forever and ever. It's uh, it's kind of like a um, Brigadoon, you know. It appears out of the mists, and then it disappears again, and unless you were there, you don't know that it exists. So um, I would love for the rest of the world to know that Jewish music lives um, chorally at the North American Jewish Choral Festival from Rossi till today. And um, pieces are being written and commissioned all the time. Uh, it's, it, it, I got involved with, with Mati Lazar because I would sing um, in a pickup group he had called Sela that traveled and sang for cantorial concerts. There was one big concert down in South Florida in, in West Palm Beach and then in Miami um, with, with really the heavy hitters, Yaakov um, Motzen, uh, um, great, great, um, Alberto Mizrahi, heavy hitters, uh, David Bagley um singing singing the classics Sviaroni. these were masterful chazanim.
1: and did they sing you know, with with Matti's um choir so they all sang with this with the the mixed choirs and the uh the voices absolutely fabulous that was
2: a long long time ago so it you know I got um comfortable comfortable, that's not the right word, um, used to the, the expectations of being a choral singer. And it was an incredible honor to be included in the Mantua Singers, with programs over a number of years, not just the music of Solomone Rossi, but others, it, and it, incredible uh, programs that Matti had put together this group of mostly cantors to sing Rossi. So would it be different if we knew what we were singing about? So.
1: <laughs> and doesn't it actually break the rule when people say that the youth of today are not interested in Jewish liturgy or synagogue music? It's, it's completely blown away because if you look at what Matty's done from not only all over the USA, Canada and Israel there's no reason why there should be this negativity that says that kids, the youth of today, don't want to sing in these wonderful groups. I think music is a so powerful, which you've proved, which Matty's proved, and other people. So if you had maybe um, a message... To give to the world out there about our wonderful liturgy and how we continue it what would you say to the next generation what would you say to the negative people
2: well it's never what it used to be it's never what it was whatever it is um the love of of prayer modes the love of nusach the love of the misenai as if it came from sinai or alt ancient melodies that are woven into the Jewish music of ours, like a musical calendar so that you would know what time of day it is, what time of year it is. All those skills of knowing how to be in the, literally in the moment, Jewishly, musically, is, connects our people through time and space. So those skills, Torah reading, uh, chanting prophetic texts, uh, weekday nusach, as simple as it is, it's so important
1: so should they start at hebrew school and and well, um or in the synagogue where do they start
2: you're right and they, they need to be shul jews right they need to be welcomed into their wherever there is and if it's a reform congregation they may be more uh comfortable well versed with a guitar leading this way you know um congregational melodies, as opposed to a cappella or with Meshorarim. Um in the cantorial schools they teach all the different styles and all the different modes and all the different things that that one would need, all the skills one would need to be a successful chazan. These days it's different than it was fifty years ago or hundred years ago. The teaching skills, the administrative skills, the Zoom skills, the the um, those who are who are otherly capable. There are so many different ways of teaching. Um, there's no end to what we can do as uh, facilitators of communal worship, as as song leaders in the sa- most sacred way.
1: Do you think every synagogue, whatever the whatever the branch of Judaism, should have um, somebody who is responsible for the music of that synagogue? Um, so they can teach, liaise, and do the right things uh, for the betterment of, of the congregations in general. What do you think about that as a, an idea of moving forward?
2: It's a great loaded question. And who is the director of music? Sometimes it is the rabbi. Many of my colleagues submit cue sheets to their rabbis during the week asking permission to sing whatever. Um,
1: but do I you, do you not, need permission I'm... for, should you have permission from the rabbi? Because the rabbi deals with the rabbi, the pulpit is that of, of, or the omud the is that of the chazan or the cantor or the shlech zippor and that his domain. The rabbi deals with the halachic questions. And then, communally, they do together what should be done for for the their communities. Should that be? Isn't that sacrosanct and sacred?
2: It ought to be, but it's not. So, the trust of a of a congregational board of directors in imbuing that shaliach tzibur, that chazan, that director of music, with the power. To make those decisions and to be the musical luach of that kahal—that's that—that's something that that I look for in successful congregations, where the chazan is the director of music, and and can can affect great great moments from week to week. You know, I think we've spoken about this. You've spoken before about the you know how meticulous the planning um results in the inspirational service the humdrum or the ordinary or the as usual eh, maybe not so much there's no um astonishment there's no radical amazement there's no you know that i believe in congregational singing i do but there's got to be a moment of inspiration and another moment of inspiration. Take me where I don't think I am going.
1: Well, you were taken where you didn't think you were going and, and you got there and you're an inspiration to many people. I mean, as a teacher, as a lecturer, as somebody who who taught Mifgash Musical and the, and the thing that you involved, because I want you to talk about that. I mean, everywhere, everybody who talks about you, or has come across you in learning, or in governing, or socially, we all say the same thing. Your nishama is special, really, And what you give, you give from the heart. And because you give from the heart, with the knowledge that have been you have gotten from your mentors and other people you're able to pass it on the door of a door from generation to generation and that's what i think your pupils i know your pupils get your students get and that is something very very special it's not a secret there isn't a secret Hashem, you are blessed and that is the most and that is something special i don't think it's i don't know if you agree with me or don't agree with me it's the cantor. It's not a vocation, it's a calling. And if you haven't got that calling, I don't see why you should be a canter. What do you think of that statement? I mean, it's a, it's a huge statement. It's loaded, but um, I'm, that's what I believe. And do you, when you have your students go through that process, can you tell if they are going to make it or break it?
2: they're all called for a reason in different ways and you know i do feel that anybody who makes it to the cantorial schools has a commitment to perpetuating the music of the people of israel it's too difficult to get in (laughs) you have to be committed already so for those who who certify as cantors who train on the outside who apprentice themselves god bless them all because everybody's got a different path to the cantorate there's some cantor's kids um rabbinical children uh who've grown up to be hazanim and uh, some cantor's kids who've grown up to be rabbis um that max Wahlberg of blessed memory used to Ask me why would I want to be a chazan when I could be a rabbi. And I, why would I want to be a rabbi? Cantor Wahlberg, I never could call him Max. Um, he just felt there was more power in the rabbinate. And um, he was right. <laughs> but okay, it's too late now, or maybe it isn't too late now, but I don't know if you have to, you know become a rabbi to be a, a vessel of knowledge that can keep our people singing into the next generation i think
1: so what is, are you know, your aspirations that. what what's in you still in your on your bucket list that you want to do or would love to do um uh to take yourself forward what is something that is Special to you. Tell us
2: to enjoy more music being created for all the diverse people that there are. I mean, we, no, nobody has the voice of Yossele Rosenblatt. God bless his memory, and how inspiring it is to listen to Yossele Joss, Rosenblatt and Pierre Pinchik and 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 and, and Leib Glantz and Moshe Ganshoff. My gosh, and you know, if I listened just to the male cantors, I would say, well. Where is my voice in this? So it's in finding the new voice that's just as valid. How do we do that? What is validity? Um, what is what is authenticity? Is it how you say the Hebrew or the Aramaic? Is it how is it how the Hebrew comes out of your mouth? Is it, what is that authority with the liturgy that has to happen?
1: Um, well, yeah, do you find that it's, um, you mentioned all these wonderful um, male chazanin from the golden age. And the music obviously was written for male tenor, baritone, bass parts, and the the choral parts were written in the SATB. So um, they weren't written for women. Do you find that because of this, you have people like... Beth Stiles and, and uh, Lori Ackers and, and other people who, who are producing synagogue music to combat the fact that women need something written in their key to be able to, to be sung in, the phader, in, in in synagogue, or does that digress from what the liturgy should be and take away the nussa?
2: I think it just adds to the bouquet that we have going on now. And it's a bigger bouquet than we ever had. <laughs> so not all the flowers go with each other all the time. You know, there are different styles, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we need everybody to, to be as creative as they can be. I look to um, Kendra Mendelssohn who, and I look to myself to rework some of the classics for me, maybe with a touch less repetition, or a touch less coloratura, or a step lower in in the key, um, so that there isn't a um, a tessitura of pain uh, for the listener and the singer. Not the male voice doesn't work the same as the female voice, but expression is expression. You know, my husband, Cantor David Perper, likes to say, "Stay in the express lane, keep expressing." So you got to keep expressing, whether it's a contemporary piece by, by anyone. I mean, men and women are writing in the mm. contemporary style. And I mean, I look to somebody like like Robbie Solomon.
1: Yeah, brilliant pop
2: style, but also he's a chazan and he knows how to be chazonical.
1: <laughs> I love his yoruba olam. I love his yoruba Unbelievable. Yes. You know Robbie, I know and Fum, I know, and uh, they're friends of mine. And I've had them over to have them over here in the UK for a couple of concerts. Um, brilliant musicians, wonderful arrangers, and again, Matty Lazar, and the, and the festivals and the music and so on and so forth. So,
2: I look to my friend Dr. Michael Isaacson.
1: Who's Great. Writing,
2: still, he's still composing very exciting pieces. And many of them in Hebrew and English, which helps, you know, this bilingual I would
1: practice. love for our next um again Cant- Cantor's convention for um somebody to write something special that we can prepare it and premiered our convention. Something new, something vibrant that everybody can get together at the convention and in the gala concert at the end, through from workshops and everything, sing together. Because boy, oh boy, do we need music. It permeates the heart. What we've been through in the last two and a half years, you know, thank God for Zoom, but Achtus is so important. And I think it's a way of getting everybody together man, woman, child, from all the branches of Judaism to come together and sing praise to God in the way that we know how. Something modern, something apparent, and something beautiful. So that is what I want to give as my gift to the world. And I want people to come, help me do it, be part of it. That's what I would love to do. I'm not getting any, old, any younger, and I want to see something beautiful, creative come out of something with people standing together side by side because we are one people and that is the important thing and that's your message to everybody your teachers messages and it comes out so beautifully because we're all doing the same business we're all doing the same thing we're all hoping for a better world we're all hoping for peace and we're all hoping that through our prayers And through our understanding and emotions, we can bring heaven to earth and earth to heaven. And that's, thank you for doing your job. Thank you for being part of it. And it's such a pleasure speaking to you. And I think we all enjoyed it. And if anybody would like to ask you some questions, I'm sure you will answer them. And uh, I'll leave that in Geraldine's capable hands. Thank you so much. And God bless you.
4: Uh, thank you so much, Alex, and thank you, Faith. We've been illuminated, and um, <laughs> and really, um, it's been a great pleasure. I'm sure that there are people who'd like to make comments or talk to you or ask questions. Please, who would like to say something to start with? Or, um, Faith, do you want to say anything um, yourself? Um I'd be interested to know what you think can make the canter on the beamer more effective in the community and not the victim, but the the leader of the music in the synagogue. More effective in the community is
2: a, a seven day event. There are so many ways to um, take ourselves on a musical mitzvah tour, um, visiting those who are in need of memory, singing to them. Um, there are there are there's no end to the amount of uh, opportunities for all generations uh, within any community, if if the cantor or the chazan or the music director or the cantorial soloist wants to you know it, it's a question mm-hmm. of energy and uh you can make a choir a children's choir with a few children and that yeah. will grow yeah. to
4: great proportions so no i think i'm i'm totally with you there i think i'm going one step back to say what will empower you to do that you know What position do you need to have in order to be what you're saying? You know, I'm thinking. You know, how is the position of the cantor seen in a community today, and are they being employed to do that job? We can do a
2: lot more to uh, sound our own shofar on our behalf. There there has to be a little bit more latent self-promotion of Jewish music in a humility, in a humble, modest way, uh, in a joyous, enthusiastic way. I mean, why is it that that I got to go to Grossinger's and have these great experiences? How do I bring that enthusiasm to the rest of the world? Grossinger's closed. I mean, and, and it was expensive in the first place. so. I, how do I, that enthusiasm for making music in a Jewish venue, I think the, the North American Jewish Choral Foundation does that, Zamir does that, um, now the young ones uh, get to have another group, they get to have another group, it's, it's, there are hundreds of Jewish choral singers now on the planet that didn't exist a few years ago, this is a golden age. So, how do we promote it better? And then our community will stand by us and say, look what we have. But we have to make the product first.
4: Thank, thank you. Um,
1: I, um, jo- I've noticed Joseph Ness is with us and Joseph is a friend of both of ours and he has a very successful um, <coughs> musical um scheme going, teaching orchestrations, new music, promoting different things. And it is the musical director Hassan, uh, of his synagogue. So can I ask Joseph, how does it work for you doing what you do in your synagogue?
5: Well, I, I was interested. First of all, uh, Faith, uh, you know, always great to hear your voice and see you and and Alex and, and all those uh, fr- wonderful friends of mine are on this program. Um, you know, I firmly believe that uh, I wanted, you know, there's a place in choral music uh, for uh, choirs to, uh, you know, just join together in comradeship and just sing together. But I, I was certainly interested in that, but much more and to give, give choral members and instrumental uh, uh, musicians the chance to really play music that's challenging. And not only Jewish music, other music, so that when they would play a Beethoven symphony or, or a Stravinsky Violin Concerto or whatever it was, that for the choral people, if they did the Brahms German Requiem or the Symphony of Psalms, uh, Stravinsky, that the Lewandowski would really sound so much better. And I found that to be true because they really, they, they take, they're not just singing Jewish music, but they're singing music that's meaningful and has challenges to it, and they bring that hard work with them to the Jewish, uh, you know, to the Lewandowski, to the Zoltzer, and to the other modern stuff, and I, I found it very rewarding. That that was my way of, of really making Jewish music live, you know, so that's, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's...
1: It helps. Um, i I that Benjamin Meisner would like to um, ask a question. <coughs> would you unmute Ben? Benny,
6: I just wrote you, Faith O'Leary, that you are my hero, and I'm saying it publicly. You are my hero and an idol and a legend. So we are in a big family here. We know most of each other. <clears throat> I've seen you since I was young, and you was even younger. I've seen you grow and we always had a a professional uh, insight into a lot of things that that we were privileged to be part of i want to ask you a question never mind your fame and 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 your singing and everything that you did teaching of course i remember the concert that you were holy blossom when we did a concert for women's cantors And, um, you know, Jill Higgins and Barak was here. And and when you come to teach women coaching with a vocal difference, to my taste, you're one of the few females who can do the chazonic kind of, I wouldn't say krechts because... The Hasonic way I mean because you, were, you had great mentors like Genshoff and, and, and Jackie and, and and others even alter but but when you teach a female cantor to do a traditional um, way not in a diva kind of operatic, what is the difference when you teach a woman or, or when you coach any other person?
2: Thank you, Benny. I love you. Um, Less is more. There's no, God is not hard of hearing. Um, There's no need to prove anything. I would say this to the men too. Um, that, That there can be much more effective communication through a beautiful mezzo piano. Not so Not sung like I'm going to prove to you why I should win this opera competition. Like there's a a certain. uh, It's a question of vibrato. It's a question of speaking the Hebrew, or the English, or the Aramaic, or the Yiddish. You know, if you're if you're going to sing the famous Milner in Cheder, you know, you could say, you know, come here, little boy. Come look at the little letters ku ingele come here ulva untu a kugen die kleine oisjelech tyre ne oisjelech gilder ne oisjelech gicher gicher her if you just pick it up and go, oh, I can sing this piece of music. What? What is this piece of music? It's like, shut up. What are you screaming? So, the, I mean, I think a, a lot of our, a lot of us have ha, felt that more was more. <laughs> and it's the little tiny place of expression. We learn this from the Rosenblatt. That is, it's Riveting. And then Hashem is there. Is that too maybe,
1: simple? maybe I can ask Zoe from her experiences as um, in a, a UK cantor in a large congregation who went through the um, teaching. Um, what was it like for you and what did you take into your congregation and how receptive were they to what you do um did you have to mold them to to you or was it a a marriage both ways or how was it for you zoe um
7: first of all hi faith it is a gift to be with you um alex i'm i'm gonna respectfully i think try not to answer your 28 questions because i'd rather hear from faith than um people hear from me um i think The one thing that I would just say, maybe in in terms of what Faith was just talking about, and I think you're touching on it in your questions, um, is the idea that we are communicating text as cantors all the time. And that if we can um, communicate the text and teach our communities that that's what this is about, then it's a much easier piece of work. It, It opens up doors and pathways in all sorts of ways and that's totally something that certainly I learned from Faith um, and I think that's the distinction between a singer and a cantor and that, that and I love that example um, Faith of Incheide because you definitely taught me to sing that song um, but you didn't teach me to sing it you taught me to communicate it to express it essentially to act it Um, And in that case, it's a song you can act, because I don't think of that necessarily as liturgy. But in liturgy, you know, how do we do that? How do we communicate the message? How do we reach people through expressing the text? Some people have extraordinary vocal gifts to do that. Um, Others of us have to find other ways to do it. But I, I think that's the key. And I think that's what faith teaches. Zoe, that's so eloquent.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, Zoe. And I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I thought you'd come out with something like that. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Meryl, you got a chance of saying something from your old school friend. Uh,
8: So, no, I mean, I've just been quelling, you know, the entire time because I adore her. You know, I've adored her, you know, my whole life. Uh, She was so dynamic, you know, uh, in high school. I was at a Jewish school, which was very demanding. So I uh, was uh, less and less in the choir. Uh, but uh, uh, I always looked to Faith as the high standard. You know, she uh, really uh, got a lot of respect, just even from her peers, but, uh, not so much uh, the cantors, you know, uh, Beth Torah was a a hub of chazanut, and uh, they had amazing concerts, the best of the best of the best, and we this is what we were exposed to it, and it's it's a lifelong love of the liturgy, uh, the liturgical piece. Uh, it just gives. Uh, just a, a rich a dynamic to your life. And I, I see that uh, Faith also tweaks pieces uh, to make it really, really smooth. She just like glides, uh, you know, through the piece. It's just really smooth. And it's very calming, very calming. Uh, But I have really enjoyed this today. Uh, This is an amazing treat to see Faith, you know, in person. Because she's in New York and I'm here. Uh, uh, But I'm still in our community. And we have four children of Cantors here. We have David Bagley's son, uh, who does my glasses. Uh, We have... Of course, uh, Eric Kusevinsky, Moshe's grandson. Uh, We have Jerry Glance, Lee Glance's son. And who's the last one, Alex? Oh, about uh, uh, the one that was in Aventura, Alex.
1: Uh, Shut off.
8: Uh, Moshe Shulhoff's son is, is still in North Miami Beach. Uh, so uh, it's nice to see the four of them around town. When uh, I am concerned about the Cantorate and it it's a struggle uh, to maintain it as a career path. And I'm wondering... Faith what you see as the future of the cantorate.
4: Thank you, Beryl.
2: Hey, Beryl. Um the future the future of the cantorate I, I think is there are there are many talented young cantors. I think more than there ever have been. Um, the, the energy that each one may or may not show in finding what they can grow in their individual communities. That's the, that's the difference. Um, the, the future of the cantorate is in how much each of us can grow our little plot of land. You know, how to keep, keep the plants blooming um, whatever it takes. I mean, these days with Zoom, it's been, strangely, a blessing to be able to get together with people and to coach, to make music, well, not together. I love it. Right? But there, there's a great, a great future for the cantorate, and I think a lot of cantors are becoming spiritual leaders or Rav Chazan, um, just to make sure that they can do it their way, like, and they,
4: they oh, can, thank you. there's no
8: competition there.
4: Can I can I um, invite Neil Schwartz to ask your question, Neil? Thanks.
9: Thank you, um, Faith. How wonderful to reconnect after all the ways that uh, we have intersected not just through the choral festival but when you i'll never forget you and david uh doing the yiddish piece with the uh the philadelphia cantors ensemble one of my top memories of those years and living in reading and singing with them in philadelphia i am the third time now in a colbo the first time after 40 years in a reform synagogue and what I am struggling with, I'll be retiring in seven months, and I have a textbook to write at that point. I am totally at a loss with the fact that so many congregants, conservative reform, uh, even one member of my own family, which surprised me, even though he understands Hebrew extremely well, is that so many people not only don't understand the text, but when they do understand the text, they find that it doesn't speak to them. And it breaks my heart and it is driving me crazy with, you know, I've got a lifetime of training of how to do exactly what you were saying, which is express and communicate the text. But if the text itself isn't working, oh, they hey, you know, what are we doing here? So um, I'm just curious, what your thoughts are about this at this point in your career, having been with you for the majority of both of our careers, off and on?
2: It's a great question you ask, Neil, because the depending on which movement you're in and which sidur you're using, there are um, alternatives, for instance, to um, the particularistic alenu and which at the end of a service makes people a little uncomfortable. Um, so there are other options in, in liberal synagogues. There are uh, lots of contemporary Jewish songs today which, uh, which applaud us for questioning uh, the idea of arguing with God, arguing with God over God's existence. God allegedly likes that. So there's a, you know, the what does this have to do with me? Uh, I love that because it's a challenge for us to um, to get in there and make it real for them. There's something. You turn it, you turn it, you turn it again. There's something in what we have for everyone. And maybe, you know, Alenu isn't it. <laughs> so anyway, that, I, I'm not the liturgist, but, um, but I do love liturgy. And I think that for every um, maybe problematic moment um, about may, perhaps asking God to pour God's wrath upon those who know you not, I'm thinking of the Seder, um, there are alternatives so, I, I, I don't know, I just I think we each have to find our own comfort zone and
4: our personal halakha. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Neil, and thank you, Faith. Um, Robert Brody, you wanted to ask a question?
10: Yes, thank you. It's um, more a comment, perhaps, than a question, but I've so much enjoyed listening to you, Faith. I don't think we've uh, interacted at all before but it was, it was um, really enlightening to hear. And the way you sang, de Chabas, I think it was better than the original because one of my pet hates is when people sing the music, they sing the notes, but not the music. They're so busy singing the notes um, that you're missing the point of the expressionism and the musicality of the piece. There used to be a television program in England called... Uh, about the rag trade, called Never Mind the Quality, Feel the Width. And I feel that so much Hazanus is Never Mind the Quality, Feel the Height. And so often people will worry about singing a big top note at the end, which is out of the line of the music, it's out of the register of the music, it's out of the flow of the music, and it's often out of their vocal range and their vocal register. So it was so nice to hear your musicality being given prime concern in the way you're singing and the way you're talking about Hazanut. So thank you so much. It was lovely to hear you.
4: Thank you. You know, I think Neil is touching on a, a subject that is a very huge subject. It's the cantors are doing all they can. There's nothing wrong with what the cantors are doing but it's the people surrounding them. You know, it's the community, it's the lay leaders, it's the rabbi, it's the competition from other things to attract children. And, and coming back to what Alex has said, I'm wondering if the idea of appointing a music director in each synagogue, uh, whether that's a congregant, a lay leader, cantor, a professional musician, or somebody, or just somebody to take notice of what music is being done in your synagogue and maybe communicating with the music director of other synagogues, whether this is a new role we need to introduce into synagogues. What would you think about that?
2: There used to be a role for director of music. Uh, places like um, Park Avenue Synagogue had Neil Robinson as the organist, but also as the conductor of the choir, um, who's doing the hiring and firing of the choir if there's a professional choir, who is rehearsing the choir. Um, In reform congregations, many times there is a music committee or a worship committee or a ritual committee where there is a person who is the head of that committee who can represent, like like you said, um, in other places, those committees have been disbanded, and it's the rabbi. So, who is the director of music? It's been in my contract many times, and a good number of times there's been another person who was the director of music. So, at Baltimore Hebrew Congregation, my organist was the director of music. So, I, I, I don't, and it didn't take anything away from me. I mean, again, it's a power play or something like that, I think.
4: Yep. thank you. I mean, it would be interesting t- for you to give a little paragraph, not now, of the ideal directive music in a synagogue, what they should, what qualities they should have and what their role could be. I think that would be really helpful, certainly for us, you know, to take things forward because i don't think it's just cantors talking to each other that's going to improve anything we have to be talking to outside uh, and i say we i mean i'm not a cancer of <laughs> course so i think this has been a really stimulating and wonderful session um we've heard much about you a lot of people are your friends but some of us have never heard of you or heard you before and it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you, Alex, for bringing faith into this forum and for showing us uh, what treasure she is and and what treasure she's brought to everybody. And thank you to everybody who's commented and made uh, suggestions or thoughts, produced your thoughts. And thank you, as ever, to Alex for driving this and for keeping... Chazanut and the way of of presenting music in synagogue at the forefront of our minds all the time. And if I may also thank Russell for helping to make these things work and go smoothly. It's uh, it's a lovely team, and we hope we will meet you again, all again soon.
1: Two yes. weeks time, we have um, we have another dear friend of mine, Debbie Katchko Gray. And uh, she's going to speak about her career, her influences, and hopefully about her grandfather, um, who we today owe so much to. So if you want to join us on um, the 5th of January, please do so. everybody is welcome. Please tell your friends. And I've noticed um, today some new faces and i welcome our new faces and i hope that we see you again because every time you join us you become a member of what we love to say is the eca family the eca family is some is a family that's unaffiliated we are independent and everybody who joins us has a voice everybody is welcome doesn't matter what background you come from you don't have to. You. We just want you to love us, enjoy us, have your say, and promote liturgy, good liturgy, whether it's the old great stuff from the, from the blue book, or the new modern stuff that has written today from people like um, Debbie Freeman and Beth Stiles, and um, so on and so forth. Um, so on and so forth. Every bit of music has a place in our hearts, in our synagogue, if it's written in the right way, it serves a purpose of getting people together because the greatest language we have that brings everyone closer and closer is our music. We should never forget it. We should embrace it. And we should all, please God, be together, sing together. And what I said before about a new piece of music for all of us to be together, to sing together at our next convention in Budapest. That is what I'm aiming for. That is what I want. And I would love everybody who can possibly come, be there and make it happen. And we'll make an old man very, very happy.
4: (laughs) Or main, as we should say. (laughs) And thank you again to Faith, Alex, Russell, and everybody who's participated and Look forward to seeing you in two weeks time.